Our scripture tonight is found in the book of Exodus. I will read portions of chapters 33 and 34. I'd like to begin with verse 10 of chapter 33. Whenever the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the entrance to the tent, they all stood and worshipped, each at the entrance to his tent. The Lord would speak to Moses face to face as a man speaks with his friend. Then Moses would return to the camp, but his young aide Joshua, the son of Nun, did not leave the tent. Moses said to the Lord, you have been telling me, lead these people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. You have said, I know you by name, and you have found a favor with me. If I have found favor in your eyes, Teach me your ways so that I may know you and continue to find favor with you. Remember that this nation is your people. The Lord replied, My presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. Verse 18, Then Moses said, Now show me your glory. And the Lord said, I will cause all my goodness to pass in front of you, and I will proclaim my name, the Lord, in your presence. I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. But he said, you cannot see my face, for no one may see me and live. Then the Lord said, This is the place. There is a place near me where you may stand on a rock. When my glory passes by, I will put you in a cleft in the rock and cover you with my hand until I have passed by. Then I will remove my hand and you will see my back, but my face must not be seen. And then please Verse 4 of chapter 34. So Moses chiseled out two stone tablets like the first ones and went up Mount Sinai early in the morning as the Lord had commanded him. And he carried the two stone tablets in his hands. Then the Lord came down in the cloud and stood there with him and proclaimed his name the Lord, and he passed in front of Moses, proclaiming, the Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands, and forgiving wickedness, rebellion, and sin. Yet he does not leave the guilty unpunished. He punishes the children and their children for the sin of the fathers to the third and fourth generations. Verse 10. Then the Lord said, I am making 
a covenant with you. Before all your people, I will do wonders never before done in any nation in all the world. The people you live among will see how awesome is the work that I, the Lord, will do for you. Obey what I command you today. I will drive out before you the Amorites, Canaanites, Hittites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites. Be careful not to make a treaty with those who live in the land where you are going. Then verse 27, Then the Lord said to Moses, Write down these words, for in accordance with these words, I have made a covenant with you and with Israel. Moses was with the Lord forty days and forty nights, without eating bread or drinking water. And he wrote on the tablets the words of the covenant, the Ten Commandments. When Moses came down from the Mount Sinai with the two tablets of the testimony in his hands, he was not aware that his face was radiant because he had spoken with the Lord. And when Aaron and all the Israelites saw Moses, his face was radiant, and they were afraid to come near him. But Moses called to them, so Aaron and all the leaders of the community came back to him, and he spoke to them. Afterward, all the Israelites came near him, and he gave them all the commands of the Lord had given him on Mount Sinai. This is God's word. Today, coming back after our lunch, we had purposely tried to avoid the traffic on Route 322. This was Make-A-Wish Foundation, not that that's a bad organization, but it goes right by our house for about two and a half to three hours. And when those 18-wheelers honk their horns nonstop, it drives you crazy. (laughs) So we purposely went away, but coming back from the distance, we could hear them tooting and honking, and everybody who put their hands down like so, they would be so quick to comply. They were there to proclaim to people their support for the Make-A-Wish. As Dr. Light pointed out last week, there was a disaster in chapter 32. And all the people of Israel under the leadership of Aaron had bowed down and idolatrized themselves and committed wickedness in God's sight and playing in idolatry and adultery. And there on the plain was a disastrous scene. And it is amidst this scene that we have this scripture that comes telling us that it is the Lord who is coming down to proclaim the righteousness of his character before all these people who could hardly see it. There are three things I want to draw to our attention tonight. Moses pleading before the Lord Incidentally, the scripture says he wanted to see the Lord, and God said, that's not going to be quite enough. You'll have to be satisfied with what I've done with you already, and that is speaking to you mouth to mouth. There he got a glimpse of God's glory, but for to see all of God's glory, all of his character, all of his goodness, all of his compassion, that would be too much. 
But God is about to show himself and proclaim himself in such a way that these people should pay close attention, for they indeed needed it. We should be receptive to the one proclaiming the glory of God. This was an appearance of God in so many ways. God would not, however, show himself in all his glory. The pre-incarnate, merciful, compassionate God is always telling us what he's about. In fact, even if we have such things as all the scripture completed now, we have a great confession in the Westminster Confession defining God in his being, infinite, eternal, unchangeable being, full of goodness and grace and truth. God was all those things there before Moses and before his people. He just hadn't shown all his hand. But he wasn't any less infinite or eternal or unchanging. His being was full of all that he was and ever has been. The scripture wants us to listen to the word of God. God calls us, listen unto me, all ye ends of the earth. The heavens declare the glory of God. The firmament showeth his handiwork. Day unto day uttereth speech. There is no voice nor language there where his voice is not heard. God is purposefully proclaiming himself. But here among this scene where there has been idolatry and adultery, he needs to come down proclaiming his own glory, for they were missing it completely. They were seeing with the eyes of flesh, and God had to come down and speak the words of God. Listen to me. Dear Fanny Crosby wrote, speaking of the blessed assurance that God gives, she sang and spoke in one of her hymns about his blessed assurance where he says echoes of mercy and whispers of love. God wants his people to be receptive to the one proclaiming the glory. In verse 19 of 33, he says, I will cause my goodness to pass in front of you and will proclaim my name, the Lord, in your presence. In chapter 34, verse 5, and he proclaimed his name, the Lord. Verse 6, and he passed in front of Moses proclaiming, The Lord, the Lord, the compassionate one. Listen, this is God's message. God is saying, listen to me, O people. Be receptive to the one proclaiming the glory of the Lord. All through their history, they would have to be pounded over the head with such verbal expression. I tell a story, a true story, about a young couple that wanted to get married, Liz and Bob. Nobody here in this church, by the way. But Liz wanted to marry Bob. She was deeply in love with him. She was quite a gifted person, as was her husband-to-be. And she asked her father's permission to be married. Well, her father was adamantly against this marriage. He would not have them married in his permissive will. And so they left their homeland and fled off to Italy. And there... They were married, and there they had a prosperous life. But Liz always felt bad that her father wouldn't come to the wedding, and she wrote letters to him. 
Many, many letters, every year letters written back to her father asking him to please accept, accept her husband, accept her, her love and her attention to her dear father. However, these letters were refused to be opened. Uh, Elizabeth, her maiden name was Barrett, and her husband, Bob, was Robert Browning. Elizabeth wrote a very well-known poem. I won't quote the whole poem, but she says, How do I love thee? Let me tell the ways. She was a woman who knew about love. She wrote to her father asking about love and forgiveness. And upon Mr. Barrett's death, they came home from Italy and discovered that not one letter had ever, ever been opened. All her employing, all her pleading was gone for nothing. He refused to be receptive to the love of his daughter. So true is it today of all those around us. And in fact, it was true of Israel. They were not very receptive to the one proclaiming the glory of God. But that is what God calls us to. And of course, God comes forth and says, even if you won't receive it, I'll keep proclaiming it. That is why we send missionaries like Dana and Jen to the fields. God will be the one who opens hearts, and God will bring fruit to his word as the scriptures are proclaimed. We should be receptive. And how are we? Are we receptive tonight? Are we broken to the point where we're asking God, please let me hear your proclaiming in my life? That is what these people needed in Moses' time. Second point might be found in the verses that begin with chapter 34, verse 6. And as the Lord proclaims his name, he passed in front of Moses proclaiming, The Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands. We should be repentant to the one maintaining the love of God. For he who came down proclaiming his love, the burden of power would only come by his own maintaining the love. To look at that field, at that plain, with that broken down golden calf, and to see those people all undressed just brought such anger to Moses' heart. And you remember what he did with that first table of the law. He knew right away that these people should be repentant before the one who can only maintain his love in such a scenario. I'd only point out three areas, subpoints under this. For three words are given about his maintaining love. The first is he maintains love to thousands and forgiving 
wickedness. Certainly, the idolatry and the adultery there before that plain below Sinai was certainly most wicked. The very things he brought down from the mountain, that tablet that said the commandments that were written on them, I would only ask, as he looked on that scene, were there other gods before him? Was there a graven image in his presence? Were they taking the name of the Lord in vain? Were they remembering the Sabbath? And on the other side, how many could say by their actions before that idol and the rising up in wickedness of playing between men and women could say they were honoring their mothers and fathers? Were they possibly beginning to murder babies in offering to these idols? Certainly, you could say they were not not committing adultery. They were certainly stealing from the Lord, and we could certainly say that they were bearing false witness to their fellow neighbors, and indeed, their actions betrayed them in their coveting. Sometimes God comes right in front of us with his word to nail us to the wall. I heard Dr. John MacArthur many years ago at the Bible college say regarding this one sin of adultery. A lady came to his office one day knowing her husband had left and was about to visit his girlfriend. Somehow she had the phone number. And Dr. MacArthur said, well, what is it? And she gave the number, and he said, here, let's call him. And so he picked up the phone and called this other lady's residence where her husband now was and said, oh, hello, this is John at the church. Big silence at the other end. And uh, then a little bit of burbling, and the next thing you knew, the gentleman left and came back and got help. That's the kind of repentance that we need before the one and the only one who can maintain this covenant. God has the answer in forgiveness against wickedness, but also the next word used is in verse 7, rebellion. Now, it does look ahead a bit, but in Numbers, the chapter, I think it's 16, there is a rebellion of Korah, Dathan, and Abiram against the leadership of God's people, God's appointed hand, his ordained servant Moses, come three men and a great multitude of people. And I won't go into great detail, but I'll only say that that to me is a great example of leadership under fire. And again, God comes along, and that day, by the end of the day, over three times the number of people that died on 9-11 died that day in Israel. They would certainly be reminded 
of chapter 34, verse 7, in their memory. And then the third word that God tells us we should be repentant before the one who, and the only one who can maintain the covenant, and that is that simple word, sin. That word of sin, that word that goes back to the complaining and the murmuring. These dear people had forgotten, as our sister had shared earlier, that God had said, go down, Moses, and tell Pharaoh to let my people go. And they had just soon enough gotten out that they had the tastes of Egypt on their tongue. They had the name of Moses, which was an Egyptian name, as their leader. And even though they were now to a whole new engagement, they had simply lost sight of the whole purpose of God in setting them apart. And so comes their sin. How, therefore, will God maintain these people of wickedness and rebellion and sin? Well, some of you know we're kind of looking forward briefly just to one verse in Hebrews chapter 9 where the very articles that symbolized man's contribution to the holy of holies. Hebrews 9 tells us in verse 4 that those three sins, wickedness and rebellion and just plain sin, were representative articles that men contribute to the holy of holies, the ark of God. Wickedness, speaking to the two tablets that had to be made over. Rebellion, speaking to Aaron's rod that God caused to bud to show his endorsement of Moses and Aaron. And finally, a pot that had manna. Hebrews 9 tells us in verse 4, which had the golden altar incense and the gold-covered ark of the covenant. This ark contained the gold jar of manna, Aaron's rod that had budded, and the stone tablets of the covenant. And so how does God maintain when dealing with sin here in this book of Exodus? Well, he maintains by containing the contaminants. The contaminants were all those symbols in the ark. You know, we need to be reminded afresh always that when it comes to the grace of God, it is just that. God pouring out, as the Scripture says, compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in love and faithfulness, pouring out and maintaining his love. And much as his love took those three articles as man's contribution to the ark of God, slammed the lid down shut, and only once a year could the high priest come and offer the blood of the sacrifice on top of the Holy of Holies. Because in a real sense, our contribution to God's holiness is absolutely nothing. Only what God does with our sins is really what counts. And so when God comes before on the ark that day, the day of atonement, the blood would cover 
these wickednesses, these sins, these rebellions. And God would say, I will forgive this. To me, it's a wonderful reminder. Afresh every Sunday when we come, and especially when we come before the Lord's table and remember his sacrificial death for us. We too should always be repentant before the one, the one and the only one who can maintain the love of God, covering it by his precious blood. Well, we've looked briefly. The one who came proclaiming his mercy and glory. We should be receptive to his coming. We should be looking and listening for him. We should take every opportunity to feed upon his word. And then he reminds us to be repentant to himself, the one who maintains the love of the covenant. In fact, uh, in this scripture, we're reminded in verse 10 of chapter 34, then the Lord said, I am making a covenant. These people, as all people, the minute Adam and Eve fell, it is God who comes forth and maintains his mercy and his grace and his covenant before his people. He picks up where we can't even begin to take off. One third and final thing I want to share tonight from these verses is that we should be radiant, radiant by retaining the presence of God. Verse 10, we just read it. God said, I am making a covenant with you. And then in verse 27, he rephrases that by saying, write these words, for in accordance with these words, I have made a covenant with you and Israel. That's kind of why I called this message tonight, Covenant Makeover. All through Israel's history, God's people failing the covenants, God coming on, making it over. Always temporal until that final time when at the cross of Calvary, God would finally do something. But you know, we should be, even as Moses was in a certain respect, radiant people before the presence of God. For a number of years, I worked in a business that among other things, they sold makeup. Uh, the fancy word for that would be cosmetics. I'm not sure of the real etymology of it, but I like to pretend it means cosmos and meat. It's where cosmos meets our face. <laughs> uh, I, I'm always amazed. Uh, one of the companies, if I said the first name, you could recite the last name. If I said the first name of one of their products was Este, you would, well, you're already mumbling it out here. <laughs> Este, by the way, Este died about a year or two ago. But, uh, and I'm not sure whether her father knew Greek, but Este is a Greek word. It means you are. Now, everybody, every woman wants to be thought of as you are. In, in the light of her husband. Um, the, the funny thing about uh, cosmetics is, their sad reality is, is that you are becomes you were. <laughs> we, we tend to lose. I'm, I'm getting old enough to realize more and more that uh, what I once was, I no longer am. <laughs> 
And uh, that's the sad reality that uh, no matter how well we are taken care of, we're all fading. How wonderful it is to look at Moses' life. For indeed, without even being told, people noticed that when he went up into the mountain into the presence of God, there was a radiance about him. God showing his will and his purposes in the life does something to his people. And for that reason, we can be radiant by retaining the presence of God. Even as I haven't met a lady yet who likes to buy cosmetics, settle for just one application. Usually it is applied again and again and again. And that is so true for God's radiant grace in our life. The more we look at God's face, we find ourselves not worrying so much about our face or our troubles. Or to say it another way, not by looking at our face, but by looking into the face of the Lord. Indeed, it says in verse uh, verse 29, when Moses came down from Mount Sinai with the two tablets of the testimony in his hands, he was not aware that his face was radiant because he had spoken with the Lord. We worship this morning, and as the handbell choir played in the upper balcony, I found myself thinking of the scripture verse, the verses from the hymn, rather, that said, the church is one foundation is Jesus Christ, her Lord. She is his new creation by water and the word. From heaven he came. From heaven he sought her to be his holy bride. Amazing that God's love would even open up on the plain with those people who had idolatrized before him. But that is the love of God. That is the maintaining of the love of God. To be his holy bride with his own blood, he bought her. And for her life, he died. May God help us to be a radiant people proclaiming day to day his love and glory. May God help us to be repentant because it is always God who maintains our ability to walk with him. And finally, are you being radiant? I mean, are you really reading his word day to day? You aren't surviving on radio messages only, are you? Be in the word of God. It'll show in our lives. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, help us to be these things, for only with your enablement and your love and compassion and grace can the reality of a walk with you
be possible. Thank you for fulfilling the covenant. Thank you for making us over this day and every day with the righteousness of your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ, our Lord, in whose name we pray. Amen.